Welcome back to the Deacon's Den. I'm Deacon Dave, your proprietor and host, and as always, I'm joined by the co-owner of the Den, Deacon Joe. And Joe, we certainly have a veritable VIP in the corner booth with us today. And what's even more important to our discussion? He's our boss. So I guess we better not mess up. I feel like I got this tingly feeling that I should behave this time. <laughs> For the first time, Deacon Joe is going to behave in the podcast. Well, I hope I don't have two teenage kids in front of me. You know? uh, <laughs> no. our, our secret is out. He's We're done. We're done. <laughs> well, the Deacon's Den is delighted to welcome the Most Reverend John Noonan, Bishop of the Diocese of Orlando. Welcome officially to the Den. Well, thank you, Deacon Dave and Joe. It's a pleasure to be with you today. We'll see if he says that in a half an hour. (laughs) Um, Bishop, before we get started uh, with today's topic, most of our listeners are familiar with you, of course, as our bishop, the Bishop of Orlando, but know little about the man. Is there anything you feel safe sharing about yourself, uh, an insight or two that would be willing to share with our visitors to the den to help them get to know you just a little bit better. Well, I don't want to let too many secrets out because everybody knows everything. But, you know, as you know, I have been, uh, I was born and raised in Ireland, came to the United States, ended up in Florida. I always joke to the kids about it on spring break, and I stayed because I, I lived in New York and going to school in New York. But in reality, I came to Florida. My mom lived here for a while. So then I entered the seminary, became a priest, and was a priest in Miami for almost 30 years. And then they moved me up to be a bishop, auxiliary bishop. And then they said, well, after five years, you better get out of here. So I didn't know where I was going, but I ended up in Orlando. Was I happy? Because I didn't want to go too far north because I like Florida and I like the heat. <laughs> well, we're happy, too. And that's I think it's interesting to hear a bishop say, I like the heat because you get a lot of heat as a bishop as well. Oh, more so, ways than one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, Well, we are very happy to have you join us today, and in a special way, you know, you are the founder of the Deacon's Den, because this all goes back to a conversation that you and I had two years ago, when you thought that this could be a good vehicle to help not only deacons and those considering the diaconate, but the lay faithful uh, learn a little bit more about the diaconate. So so thank you for that inspiration, and I guess you have all founders' privileges at this point uh, when you come to the Deacon's Den. You know, that's right, that's right, we put his name on it. Um, so at this point of the podcast, when I usually announce the topic du jour, uh, I must honestly admit that our topic will be today, whatever the bishop wants to talk about. Oh my God, the only thing I can talk about with you two is deacons. So. Okay, <laughs> then, then, then I guess we can stay on track. Well, oh, okay, good. good. Or, <laughs> it's be interesting. <laughs> no, of course I've drafted. I don't think you want to talk about budgets and all those kind of things, you know, or you don't want to talk about, you know, family life and marriage because, oh. you know, I could put you in the spot, you know. Oh, about well, our family well, life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so stay tuned for the exciting part two of the series, Budgets at the Chancery. Um, <laughs> That'll be a cliffhanger. I thought it would have been more fun, fun with wives at the <laughs> Well, and yeah, we've done House that, wives too. Housewives of the Diocese yeah. of Orlando. That's true. Well, I was talking to Jennifer about that. Let's not go too okay. off base here. Um, of course, as you know, I have drafted some questions based on things that I know that the deacons in the diocese uh, always want to hear what their bishop is talking about. Uh, so if it's okay with you, we're just going to jump straight into those. Unless you have any other ideas. Uh, you've seen the questions, Joe. Those good? But I had a basic question that really, you know, just like my spidey senses kind of oh, perked spidey up. senses tingling. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah. What do you got, Deacon Joe? What's like the most important question? I, I think everybody loses their mind when the bishop shows up at their parish. 
Oh, What's yeah. What's that all about? <laughs> You're such a nice guy. Why? <laughs> I don't know, but, you know, the bishop is the bishop, I guess, with some people. But, you know, sometimes I show up and they don't know who I am, and that's really more fun, you know? Oh. So, but that that's the, the pleasure of kind of just being yourself and letting things happen and let people see how they're... But I think most of the time, I know it's nice, but I know the bishop isn't there every day. But for me, I, I know people get excited. But, of course, for me, it's just ordinary life. But I, I, I like to put people at ease, just enjoy themselves, that I'm not here to change anything. I'm not here to do anything different. Remember, we're here to pray and we're here to worship the Lord. And, and that's more important than all the excitement or all the other things you think that are important. So I think the most important, the core of everything we do is to trust in the Lord and to really, truly pray. It's always a blessing when you pop in on the formation weekends and yeah oh i like doing i i mean some of you know i do more than that because when in the summertime if i have a free weekend i may go to two or three parishes on that sunday they don't know i'm coming sometimes i have gone in and vested and ready to, to say mass and the pastor arrives and he says oh you're here i said yes <laughs> And sometimes I, I don't make the Mass, but I, I make the end of Mass, and I stand outside the door, and people kind of look at me, and they don't recognize me sometimes. But when they recognize mm -hmm. me, then it's a pleasure. So it's always nice to just to visit people without setting up expectations just to see how things are. And, and I can imagine the sacristans that don't know you're saying, who's that strange priest who's in the, uh, who's in the vestry today? <laughs> oh, I've gone into parishes, offices. Who, who do I say is here to see the pastor? I said, you can say, you know, the priest, a priest is here to see them. There you go. True, <laughs> true statement. Um, so let's jump into some of the questions that, that we hear from the deacons. I just finished the annual CARA survey report that uh, I do every year, the Center of Applied Research for the Apostolate. And the numbers that we reported just two days ago is that we have 185 active deacons uh, in the Diocese of Orlando right now, 51 more men in formation. We also have about 45 men that um, are now inactive due to age or health. But 45% of our deacons were formed in other dioceses. Obviously, we get a lot of externs here. Like you, they come down from the north. Uh, don't don't want to <laughs> get sand in their shoes it, and they stay. Uh, there you go. <laughs> And there are many different interpretations of what is most important in a deacon's role. Uh, as you go around the country, you hear different views of the diaconate. What would you say are one or the two of the most important roles of service that you see for deacons, especially in the Diocese of Orlando right now in 2022? Where would you like our focus to be? Well, I, I think it all goes back in. Pope Francis has been modeling this for the last five or six years or maybe eight years now since he's been pope. I mean, first of all, you have to have a, be a person, a man of prayer. And a man of prayer hopefully brings you into a relationship with the Lord. And then, you know, that relationship is very important because if you are in a clear, loving, caring relationship with the Lord, you obviously are in a good relationship with your wife and your family. And that relationship then spills over to the community of faith that you worship in. So it's all on relationships, you know, how you are relating to the Lord will be how you relate to the people of God. You know, I think that's that's so often missed, right? Everyone thinks about the form and the, the processes and the stuff we do. You've dialed it back to something far more fundamental here, and that is it's about relationship. Because that's the only way you're going to be fulfilled. Diaconate mm -hmm. and priesthood and even being a bishop is not about what you can accomplish it's what the lord accomplishes through you you know saint paul mm -hmm. reminds of that all the time mm -hmm. it's not mm -hmm. me it's the lord working through me right, right. 
And if we lose that sense, then we kind of get frustrated because we don't see success, we see problems. And in problems, we don't see problems with faith. You kind of say, well, how do I overcome this? It's not a problem, but it's something. It's a, something sometimes that I, I call it a mystery sometimes, your problems, because you can never solve them. Mm-hmm. You have to move on mm-hmm. with your life. Mm-hmm. So what gets in the way? You've hit on something so fundamentally important here, but we know we're not always good at that. Are these things, uh, are the barriers part of society? Are they endemic in society or culture? Or what do you think prevents us from being as relational as we need to be? The most important thing is, you know, God doesn't make us perfect. Mm-hmm. We're always kind of trying to mend our, our ways mm-hmm. and trying to find the best way to do it. And all of us are different. And I think that's the real challenge in life, you know. Some people can do things easily and some of us have a real hard time doing it. Mm-hmm. So in, in our differences, in our gifts, we kind of try to do what we feel we can as best we can. Mm-hmm. And then to know the things we cannot do but we need help. Mm-hmm. So to be able to share, and that's kind of the whole thing of relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting to me because as we take men through formation, they all want to become this perfect model deacon. They all want to emulate someone that they've seen who is a deacon. But when you go back to what you just said about God creates us all uniquely, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made, we're unique creations and unique images of God that becomes a false construct to say, I want to be the model deacon, because the model deacon isn't what Deacon Joe does, certainly isn't what Deacon Dave does. It is what God is calling us to specifically in our diaconate. And who we're we're called to be, Mm -hmm. I think, is the bigger issue, because that's how you get relationship. When I am my authentic self, then I can be who God created me to be. Mm Because, I mean, you see so many talented people, And you say, I want to do that, but that's not really what I'm called to be. You know, when I was rector, the seminary young men would come in and they'd want to be, you know, they're studying to be priests. And I said, well, who's your role model of priesthood? And, you know, they'd come up with all sorts of varieties. And I said, why? And I said, well, is that what you think is what you can do? But I think sometimes you have to be careful because, you know, our role models can be models that inspire us, but that doesn't mean that we can be like them or we can, we can try to imitate them, but we can't become them. We have to become ourselves and be at peace with ourselves and know our strengths and our weaknesses. And so many of the men that do come into the diaconate have been successful in industry and in business, and we bring those skills, which are great, we want to bring those to the church, but we bring our definition of success in, and it's all about doing and accomplishing. And then we get to this point of, as you said, it's not about accomplishing. It's about being. Well, it's about it, being in relationship. Uh, and the real word is humility. One would hope. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, we can't, if we can't be humble, you know, we'll never be exalted, you know, because we, we're, we're always too high to even comprehend what's happening. Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're not listening. I thought it was beautiful because that you know Deacon Dave Gray, God rest his soul, that that was his thing. He 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 tell his story that I was coming into the church to be a deacon to fix it. Yeah, <laughs> and he came to realize real quick that that's not what God called. Well, him. We have a lot of young men who think they have to come into the priesthood to fix it too, and then they realize, oh my gosh, it's bigger than I am, you know. Yeah. No, that could never happen with our priests. Come on, Bishop. Oh, must be, even some of our bishops, you know, they want to fix everything. Yeah. We, can't, we can't fix everything. But, you know, sometimes that's the beauty. You realize I can only do so much, and you can only do so much every day. Right. 
you know, that's the, I think it's even harder for deacons because you have your family life mm-hmm. and you can get so absorbed in what you feel is, um, it's more a task than in a vocation. And if it's a task, you have to accomplish it. If it's a vocation, you work with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something I have to accomplish today, but it's something maybe I have to accomplish tomorrow or maybe in a year. But it's a, it's a kind of a more understanding process. You have to work at it every day. As I worked in human relations, it's like you may never see the results from when you touch the heart of somebody. It, the plants, you plant the seed. Right. And, and the only reason I can, can tease about priests, you know, oh, no, no priest would ever be that way, is I think that is a problem we face more in the diaconate community, even more so, that deacons will come in and go, we're going to fix the church now. Um, the church is just fine, thank you. How are you going to, going to be well, in relationship with God and, and uh, serve the people of God? A lot of people have tried to fix the church. A lot of people have tried to destroy the church. That's right. But it, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen that way. We all have a role to play in. It's God's church, so we hope and pray we can just play our little piece, mm-hmm. put our little piece together, and hopefully our little piece will help make one part of the world a little better. So one of the key things that I've experienced in, in my 20 years as a deacon is the interrelationship between our priests and our deacons and the necessity of that partnership. Uh, I was, of course, ordained in Colorado Springs, and in my first 10 years there, saw a remarkable transformation of sort of deacons and priests staring at each other suspiciously to uh, to being really good partners for the most part. And I know that transition has also been happening here for about the same amount of time, but it's never going to be perfect. What, are you, what recommendations or thoughts do you have on this partnership of priests and deacons? How can we continue to deepen that partnership and create that relationship that really better serves the people of God? Well, I think you have to look at the history. You know, the diaconate just came back into... Uh, it became a reality after Vatican II. It's another thing that was important. And it wasn't really, I don't think it was the, the, the American church or the European church asking for deacons. It was mostly Africa because they saw they needed catechists, you know, and people who were well-formed. But what happened was it was the United States took the lead. Mm-hmm. And we started the diaconate program, which was probably good because we had the resources and so forth. So it's almost almost 50 years now that diaconate mm-hmm. is back in force, but it was it was difficult because when something has not been hasn't been active in, in the community and in the church for hundreds of years, it's very hard to reinstate it and have it come to the fore or come to its completion or what it's really meant to be. So I would say it'll take another maybe 15, 20 years before it'll become what we really want it to become because part of the the problem is diaconate for priests, our older priests especially, never understood it because they were ordained deacons, but they never really ministered as deacons. They were ordained deacons for a month or two and then ordained priests, so it never made sense. But now that our younger priests are, are serving as deacons for a year or two before they're ordained, that's change in everything. So there's a greater awareness what the mm. role of deacon is. You know, now you realize that, you know, the deacon isn't just a transitional stage. Mm-hmm. It's a permanent stage. And that's why we give that that title, permanent diaconate. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the role of the deacon is spiritual, but it will also be leadership in the church in the future. There will be deacons who will take leadership roles in many different aspects of parish life. Mm-hmm. And, and it will be important, you know. But again, it, it has to be a balance. You know, that when we saw, talk about leadership... 
Priests are okay because we're not married, but a deacon has to remember his first vocation is to his family and his wife and children. Mm -hmm. And that can be very difficult for some because mm -hmm. you have to live your vocation to your family first and then live, share your vocation with the community at large, your parish. You know, recently, the last couple of months in formation, I've had the opportunity to lead workshops on precisely that issue. And it's that the effects of ordained ministry on the family, not just the marriage, but on the, right. the kids as well, too. Um, but how they inform each other, how they strengthen each other if we do it appropriately. But as you said, when we get out of balance, then we are doing even more damage as well. Because your home, I mean, your family is the small church. Right. So you need to minister to your family first. I mean, you have to pray with them, and they have to pray with you. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the future already. Everyone's always future-focused, uh, especially in the U.S. We never <laughs> live in the moment. We always live uh, a month from now, five years from now, a decade from now. You mentioned deacons taking, needing to take more roles in leadership within the community uh, in support of our priests and service to the faithful. Can you add a little more detail to that? What specific roles do you think that maybe our deacons need to prepare for or live better now in our service to the church? Well, you know, the first thing you look at is some of them are talented because they've had managerial skills and they have worked in different, they've had a whole different way of life before they were a deacon. And some of those skills can really be an asset to the, to the parish life. You know, you can come from being um, in finance, so therefore you can come into a parish and be on the parish council or the parish the finance board, or you can be even on the Dawson finance board, which can be beneficial. Or you may be a teacher, and you may be a teacher who can really truly be a, an educator or in a sense of the faith. And again, that's very important in the church, how to lead and guide people. Mm -hmm. You can be uh, self-employed you can offer something again to the church because you can probably in the future we may not have a pastor in every parish so you may be able to run a small parish basically make sure everything is running and basically take care of the people and then the priest comes on certain times not every day but you know again you are the basically the administrator of the parish so administration of parish duties mm -hmm. that can be so it, it could be from one extreme to the other, from the small things to the big things. Mm -hmm. You know, our parishes, some are huge, some are small. The big parishes have way more needs, you know, from teaching to maintenance to guiding to leadership to just doing the basic things of a priest in some days of just being there for the people, funerals, wakes, um, marriages, baptismal prep, all of that can kind of... Mm -hmm cater into where you have small parishes or big parishes. And the model's as unique as the parish is what I'm hearing yeah. you say. Mm -hmm. It really it depends on the need. I was talking to some of the men in formation the other day, and they knew my experience, of course, running a, a parish in the way you described in Colorado. But I know in uh, southwestern Utah, where there's parishes that are 100 miles apart and one priest for four or five parish and and there are many deacons and yeah. and religious sisters as well that are out there running those parishes so a, a fundamental need today and perhaps even more in the future and the northeast is experiencing that in a big way now too yeah yeah oh yeah some of the big dioceses are you know they're going from 150 parishes down to 80 or 90 you mm -hmm. know and it's that's a big challenge to the people because it, there's a loss and there's mourning and there's merging and you know there's collapsing and there's closing and all of that we're blessed in florida we're building we're planning for the future but again 
it's a very char- challenging endeavor because to build a you know from the the ground up a parish costs a lot of money and effort and and you have to get the right site and make sure the future plans are there because you don't know where the roads are going to come. You know, we built parishes in cities and the highways came through and chopped up all the parish and you know, people that, you know, can't go to church anymore because they have to walk, you know, four or five miles to just get to their home parish. You know, these are things you have to think about. And, and of course, it's always a challenge to make sure that it's in the right place, you know. For people, and it's exciting here, at least in Central Florida, we're dealing with the antithesis of what they have in the Northeast. Right. We're growing; more people are coming. More de- that's the good problem to have, right? The problem of growth. So, one other burning question that's really on the mind of a lot of deacons, and Joe immediately starts a laughing nose where I'm going. Oh, Bishop, that's because uh, he's been hitting me with it yeah. almost every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bishop was bolting for the door as soon as he saw me. T- is is the question is the question of the synod? You know, many of the faithful, and deacons included, are struggling to wrap their heads around uh, the church's current church synod, both in terms of the process and understanding the intended outcome. Because we're very results-oriented, you know that. What's it going to fix? What's it going to do? Would you take a moment to share your understanding of what uh, the church's vision under the guidance of Pope Francis really is trying to accomplish here? And I love it because I love the more people are looking for answers. There's no answer. You know, it's beautiful because I went, I spent... I, elementary and high school with Jesuits and college with Jesuits. So the Jesuit approach is to ask questions. And Pope Francis is a Jesuit. And everybody, you know, I, but I'm just laughing to myself because everybody says, well, what's the outcome? What are you going to put on the paper? What are you going to give the Holy Father? What are you going to send to Rome? I don't know. You have to tell me what you're going to send to Rome. <laughs> I can tell you it won't be 10 pages. It might be three things, ideas on a piece of paper. That's my goal. And I think the most important thing is that we're all frustrated because we're trying to say, well, what is the, what is the question? And it's not a, a very hard question to know. And I think, you know, we have it in the sense of from three pieces of Scripture, the road to Emmaus, and we have it in the Good Samaritan story, and we have it on the Acts of the Apostles from the conversion of Cornelius. Well, the, the road to Emmaus is very simple. The disciples are searching they're lost. They're leaving Jerusalem because Jesus has been crucified. They're searching for answers and meanings to their life. And who do they encounter? Jesus. They don't recognize him. What does he share with them? The gospel. He shares with them the scriptures. And how do they recognize him in the Eucharist? The first question with us is, are we lost? I would say a lot of us are lost. I'm lost sometimes. Do I go to the Lord? Am I allowing the Lord to speak to me? Am I listening to the Lord? Well, I'm afraid a lot of us are not listening, and we're not sharing with the Lord our questions. And that brings us to the real thing of what the bishops of the United States have started is to understand what the Eucharist, the real presence of Christ. So are we letting Christ feed us with his Eucharist, with his body and blood? That's got to be the first thing, but it, that's not a question, it's not an answer, but it, it is a, a journey that we all need to take. It's like the journey from the mind to the heart. And if we don't make that journey, I think this synodality means nothing to us. Then we have to look for our identity. Who am I? Hmm. What am I here for? What am I doing here? Well, we all know the road to Emmaus. You know, we all want to be the Good Samaritan, and we all think maybe we're the Good Samaritan. But I think, I look at myself, I think I'm one of the robbers that beat the the poor man up. 
And I think we're all on that, we're all beating one another up, we're also beating ourselves up. And I think we have to take a long hard look at, are we listening to the Lord? Are we praying? Are we letting him touch our heart? And I think the only way that's going to happen is what happened with Cornelius. He asked Peter to baptize him and his family, and Peter said he couldn't because he wasn't a Jew. And we have to say to ourselves, why can't we truly surrender our life to listen to the Lord and let the Lord guide us? That's what synodality is all about. It's an encounter with Christ. And until we see that, all these other questions and answers and all the answers we come up with mean nothing until we kind of say to ourselves, what do I want the Lord to do for me? And where do I want to go with my life? And how is the Lord going to lead me? So that's what synodality is all about, discovering the Lord in your life and let him lead you and guide you. It's not about solving all the church problems because I think once we encounter Christ, he's going to teach us and lead us. But we have to encounter Christ first. So that's my simple two cents word for the, today on how we are to, to kind of approach this whole thing in synodality. I'll give you one example. I was with a number of bishops recently at a meeting and we sat around the table, there was five of us, and somebody said to us, now you're going to have a, a test on synodality. And we were given a list of things we thought that were very important and we were told to pray. So we prayed. After five minutes, the person came over, they said to us, have you decided what you want to do? We said, no. He said, pray more. So we prayed <laughs> more. And after another five minutes, he came back over to us and said, have you kind of picked out the question you want to answer? We said, no, you have to pray more. And that's exactly the thing. It's not about a process. It's about an encounter. And we'll have to pray and pray until we know that the Lord is with us and we're listening to the Lord, not the Lord listening to us. So that's the big question. That's the big secret code. If everybody wants their QR code, get your phone out and copy it. So remember, there is no real answer. The real answer is to encounter the Lord. So if you can encounter the Lord, you've got what synodality is. The, the image you mentioned early on in that, and I think that's, that helped me a lot just sitting here listening to you to understand that even deeper. But you talked about the journey of mind to heart. And we try to do that in formation with guys all the time. We try to do it in our life, that, that longest journey of your life, the 18 inches from mind to heart. We're stuck in our minds. When we look at the synodality process, we're the what's and the how's and the why's and the what's it going to produce. And that's where we're stuck. And if we can make that transition to the encounter of the heart. So that's, that's the first thing. You know, like mm -hmm. people say to me, I, want, I don't want to have to tell the Holy Father what to do. I want the Holy Father to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's very good. But the Holy Father will tell you, you have to pray about that. He's not going to tell you what to do. He said, the Lord will have to tell you. So we're getting it all backwards. So like, we have to be careful. Our other people are saying, oh my God, you'll, you're going to have, a, you know, 40, 50 pages of ideas. I don't want any ideas. I just want one idea. Can you tell me you encountered the Lord? Wow. Mm -hmm. And then when we encounter the Lord, I think as a community, we can, be, we can begin to grow and ask questions. Each community is different. Mm -hmm. What is it you want in your life right now? I would say a lot of people say, I want peace. I want hope. I want my family to, to know the Lord. Well, I think that begins with all of us praying and mm -hmm. understanding what God is calling us to do. 
that explanation the synod was so profound for me we should record it oh wait we are oh good uh that no that was thank you bishop that's great guidance but i think this is part of what we were saying earlier we're love process we do we right. set goals and we have a process mm-hmm. but that's not what Fran- pope francis is about mm-hmm. it's about basically sp- real core hardcore spirituality mm-hmm until you put your mind where your heart is, you cannot really understand what, what God is calling us to do. It means you have to know yourself, surrender yourself, yeah. and listen. The surrender is the hard part. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Not me, Lord, somebody else. <laughs> not, I'm not ready yet. That's St. Augustine, you know. And St. Augustine said it all his life. You know, the, 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 the truth I search for, I never found until I surrendered to you, O Lord. The mm-hmm. love I search for, I never found until I surrendered to your love, O Lord. So it's, this is what it's all about. The, my favorite word, surrender. Yes. The guys in formation, I hope you're listening to this. That's all they hear <laughs> once a month, surrender and, and surrender, humility. Surrender, relationship, Re- all the things we've talked about. Wow. <laughs> you know, who, who knew the bishop could probably uh, teach at seminary? Oh, wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so um, I hate to end on uh, with that beautiful explanation and the thought of encounter and surrender, but Joe made me ask this question, so I, I'm blaming him. Um <laughs> Uh, see, I, I have Thanks. to throw you under the bus at least <laughs> once a podcast. As we look to the future, knowing that the two guys you're sitting here with will have to retire at some point, what qualities would you expect the next deacon director to possess? Uh, and, and the reason I ask that is, you know, succession planning, we've talked about this before. You don't wait till the last minute and just put a cold, you know. Get a warm uh, body. Yeah, get a warm body. You know, as, as someone who is the shepherd of this diocese, what advice would you give us as we look to helping groom and finding our replacements? Well, I'll give you what my business answer would be first. Who said you're retiring? And, <laughs> and secondly, I would say I want perfection. Now, that would be kind of like the, 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 the big answer. But I think the real answer has to come from not me alone. Yes, we really want to make sure we have good deacons in the future because they're going to be so vital. And good deacons come from people who are discerning and, and I think your role in helping you're you're walking with these you know, these men young and old whatever age they are but you're walking with them to do that discerning and it's in that, that walking with them that you will have to pick some people who know how to walk with people know how to mm-hmm. teach people and know above all how to form people mm-hmm. to be good deacons I would not want to kind of say, oh, I got all the answers. You know, we can come up with all sorts of business theories. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, there are issues. The fundamental issue will be a man of prayer. If he doesn't know the Lord, how can he be a minister of the Lord? And then you can build on that. You Mm -hmm. know, what are the gifts and talents of each person? You know, you have some guys who will never preach because they just find it very difficult. But they can do little things like preach at a a graveside and give a better homily than anybody Mm -hmm. you know so they're all different talents that people but you know we we have to be aware that you know where their gifts lie and and hopefully let them i always say even with our priests you have to plant them where they can grow and blossom so it's to know the person before you can uh, lead and guide the person I, i was thinking about it what came to my mind when you said that a man of prayer is my namesake from the Old Testament, David, a man after God's own heart. Yeah. And that's yeah. not only what we want to form in deacons, but for deacon directors, for 
you know, deacon administrators in the church, if we are not first a man after God's own heart, we have some more growing to do. And, of you know, David, you know, being a king and a great king, you know, it was all surrender to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't perfect. Oh, yeah. He had yeah. to surrender many things. <laughs> I, I, I told my parents when they named me David, Paul, I said, thanks so much for the role models. Uh, David and Paul both were pretty big screw-ups. <laughs> but at the same time, they ultimately turned Of course, now you have God. Deacon Joe here. You know, Joe was perfect. Joseph was perfect. So, oh, you know, yeah. You know, what can we say? You and know? his standard is this high, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. He's an adult. But again, you uh, know, very little said about him in the scriptures. Right. You know, but he was a man of deep faith, you know. So it goes to show you that a deacon can be like Joseph. Mm -hmm. They can do great things, but they're not out there showing off. You never see them up in the front of the, up on the pulpit. You never see, but they're out there doing wonderful things. And that's, you know, the silent ones sometimes are the ones that we sometimes don't recognize. Mm -hmm. So that's my role. I'm going to be silent. (laughs) You're going to be the silent one. (laughs) Joe's a strong, silent type in, the, in, in this. But, I mean, you notice that when we do funerals. You know, I yeah. don't preach at the funerals, but I know when you do funerals uh, of uh, permanent deacons, you know, you see the people show up and they'll tell you what, what this deacon meant to them. Right. You know, and some things, sometimes you never know what they did. But it's that, you know, they were very present to the people, their community they serve. Well, Bishop Noonan, this has been a great half hour for us. And I really want to thank you for taking time out of what I know is an incredibly busy schedule. I think mine's busy. And then I I look at yours and I think, no, I'm glad I'm not a bishop, (laughs) Uh, nor will that ever happen. Uh, But we appreciate you taking the time to visit us uh, in the deacon's den um, and sharing these these great and wise words with those that uh, will listen. Would you be so kind as as we close out today's uh, time together to uh, to offer a prayer, whatever the Holy Spirit's put on your heart today for the community, for the deacons, and then give us your final blessing? You know, you sometimes you look at the, you know, James, you know, we're reading James these days, and you're mm-hmm. looking at the gospel, and it's a challenge sometimes, you know, to keep focused on what the word of the Lord is asking us. But I, I think it's beautiful because he's taken... Uh, pointing out to us that sometimes we're not looking at where we should be looking we're not we we, um, we're not paying attention and when we don't pay attention you know we get lost you know because we're too busy so I think what we're going to remind ourselves is pay attention to the Lord may our prayer life always bring us closer to him and our family so that we can serve him by knowing and loving the Lord so that we can know and love the people we are called to love and serve in our life. Amen. Amen. Well, sadly, we've reached closing time at the den, but I'm glad you dropped by. Come back in when you hunger for hearty discussions of the diaconate and Catholic conversation. And until we meet again, I pray you walk closely with God on life's journey. And when you feel the urge to visit the deacon's den, remember, there's always a corner booth reserved just for you.